listening to the best bits of the Breakfasters from 3RRR. You're listening to the Breakfasters podcast for the week, the shortened week, April 10 to April 13. Highlights this week. Do you want, I'll go first. Highlights this week include had a chat about um, horse things. Horsey, horsey friends. Horsey friends. And also, um, you told us about a drunken mystery. Ooh. It was very mysterious and very drunk. And we <laughs> talked about the trend of adults buying toys. And then we chatted with George Megalogenis about his new book, Balancing Act. You are listening to Breakfasters here on Triple R with Sarah, Jeff, and Geraldine. Um, <clears throat> On the on my drive in this morning, I heard a story on the radio about in the in Britain, um, the uh, adults buying toys has increased by sixty five percent since two thousand and twelve. Sixty five percent. That's heaps, right? Is that so, the Star Wars film came out though. Uh, I don't. I think oh, it's a con- yeah. I think that's definitely part of it. I think it's a whole combination of things. So, the value of the market <clears throat> is now more than <clears throat> excuse me, three hundred million pounds. This is toys for adults, not adult toys. If you see what I mean. Oh, like sex toys? Yes. Yeah. Oh. No, not sex toys. We're talking about just toys. Breakfast time, Jeff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's good that he clarified. Good. Yeah, true. Yeah. This, this is true. Um, and the. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing to hide. Right. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, the trend <sighs> is being led by millennials, with eighteen to thirty-four year olds accounting for half of the amount spent. Um, so, uh, I'm interested to know: Do you, do you guys buy? Do, do you buy toys? Or do you, I do not buy toys. I can't think of the last toy that I bought. I, I, bought, I bought a little wheelie Jesus once. Like it was a, a wheelie Jesus. Like it was a Jesus. Um, if you pushed his arms, he wheeled along. Oh, that's oh. fun. Yeah. Where'd just, you get that? Oh, it's just at a fun store. At the Catholic bookstore? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Nah. It was You'd be amazed at what can get at those Catholic <laughs> bookstores. <laughs> Anything to keep him there. What? Yeah. Come when on, you, guys. Catholicism's straight. When I did, sorry, this is fun off a little bit, but not really. When I did my... Um, <clears throat> My confirmation, or one of those, or yes. one of those things where I got some money to buy something from. You got money. I always yeah, yeah. got a, like a statue of Mary. Or yeah, something. yeah. <clears throat> I got all all that as well. But the money had to be spent at the at the Catholic bookstore. Oh, that is so unfair. So I had <laughs> to go spend it on. Well, it was. <laughs> Mum was so she was so disappointed. She was so she goes, I can't believe you bought this. But it was a glow in the dark statue of Jesus. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I loved it so much. And I was like, I can't believe you uh-huh. did you look did you look at him glowing in your sleep all the time? Yeah. Just there, <laughs> just, just there glowing, glowing green. Away. I'm watching you. <laughs> when you said you bought a wheelie Jesus, the first thing I meant to was a Jesus in the shape of a wheelbarrow. Which oh my god, that would be awesome. Kind of kinda handy when I'm doing your gardening. Or Jesus. Just Jesus load up the, Jesus um, with some dirt and get him going along. Just that's really good too. I, I, I had, um, you know, the Jesus from Dogma. Oh yeah, going, doing the, hey. yeah. I go, yeah, this is really awesome. 
so you buy a lot of toys, though, don't you? Yeah, I'm, I'm a big. I'm I'm part of this market. Definitely part of this market. Um, Lego for sure. And this is the thing. Of, um, this is what people are buying. Um, Lego is up the construction kind of things. Um, and also Meccano. Mm, it's superhero toys. Ah, because yeah, there's been a lot of superhero movies and Star Wars movies. Yeah, and it's so. But they, is, is that like you know when people buy these things like for collections and the whole you know you're not supposed to take it out of its pack. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, because as soon as you take it out. Apparently some of the Legos. So my friend um, Kylie works yeah. at a toy store and she is really big on Lego stuff. Yeah, but I had I think, a chat with her. Did you? Did you guys talk about yeah, your Lego yeah. collections? Mm-hmm. Oh, is there anything that she's got that you need? Can you do a swapsies? Uh, no, I'm just going to buy more Lego. She's <laughs> <laughs> doing her job well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but she buys and makes Lego. But I'm sure she's told me before that in some cases where it's limited edition stuff, they're even they're still worth money outside of the pack, fully yeah, built. Because she said oh. she's only got one thing that she hasn't that she hasn't built, and everything oh. else she's like you know taken out of the box. And but she keeps the box and things like that, but has built it and you know can put it all yeah, back it together. Yeah, because really stuff. depressing. Like you buy this thing, but she could never take it out of its box. Yeah, yeah that would so. be depressing. Yeah. I do have a big Star Wars um, X-Wing fighter, I think it is. What that is I, that? Yeah, it's just a big Star Wars thing that I Lego set that I haven't built yet. I'm saving oh. it for when I'm really But you've depressed. also got the... Um, <laughs> That inflatable shark that you were telling us about. Oh, yeah, I've got lots of sea. Lots of toys. Is a hula hoop a toy? Yeah, yeah, you can buy it at a toy store. Yeah. I don't have one, but I think I'd like one. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) I was thinking about toys I might like to buy. Oh, yeah. They're good for your fitness. Yeah, it is, isn't it? Yeah. The trick, I found out the trick is because I've never a hula hoop. Yeah, neither can I. Yeah, get a bigger one. They're oh. too small. The ones we're trying to use are too small. Really? Yeah, it you get a bigger. bigger one and whoa, away you go. I didn't know that. Whoa. Yeah. Kath does hula hooping. She like, does what? not. <laughs> yeah, she does. What, like professional hula hooping? Yeah, no, not professional. She used to be in the women's circus and she did a bit of hula hooping. How have you only just raised the fact that Kath <laughs> used to be in the friggin' circus? <laughs> you find so much on this show, don't you? <laughs> Jeff, do you have a hula hoop? <laughs> I, I, I don't never see the point of it. Like once it had gone around once, like what? It's what meant you, to keep going. You know, but yeah, how, for how how long and where does the it's fun- like spinning a ball on the end of your finger? Yeah, no, but that doesn't strike but me as being very your, much fun either. It's good for your core muscles, I reckon. Just yeah. going around. But you've got your hands. Oh, listeners can't see this, but Joe's got her hands up in the air as she yeah. demonstrates. You're listening to a podcast from Community Radio 3 Triple R in Melbourne, Australia. You're listening to Breakfasters here on Triple R with Jeff Geraldine and Sarah. Australian journalist and writer George Megalogenius will be familiar to most Triple R listeners. His new book, Out Through Black Ink, is entitled Balancing Act, Australia Between Recession and Renewal. He's joining us in the Breakfaster studio now. Welcome to Triple R, George. Morning, team. You begin this book by saying that Australia is in transition. Where were we? What are we transitioning to? We were in a very sort of happy but politically fractious place, uh, enjoying a long, uninterrupted run of prosperity uh, with a mining boom that came in over the top of it that literally gave us all about an extra 10% in income. Uh, And most of us didn't have anything to do with that transaction, but the money did pop into our pockets via various means. But once the GFC hit, 
uh, obviously we survived that episode uh, better than most other rich nations, but the last couple of years uh, we've been dragged back to the pack, not just in terms of economic performance, but you see our politics is angrier than probably at any point since the first decade of the Federation and certainly as angry uh, over a longer period of time than it was around the time of the dismissal in sort of 74, 75. Now, of course, we're trying to figure out what the new model is for the 21st century and like most other countries we haven't got a clue but the disappointing thing for me is we're in a position of strength for a long time and probably better position to think about what would come next but we haven't been doing that i'd say critical thinking in the political space why do you think we haven't been critically thinking oh that's a very i mean how long have we got <laughs> and who seven do you want, minutes george who do you want to start with i mean to be honest you, you have, almost have to go back to kevin rudd uh, you leave the John Howard experiment to one side and you think that that guy won one too many terms and then got a bit greedy and wanted to hang on to the Prime Ministership and wouldn't hand over the next generation of Peter Costello. But when we got Kevin elected, and I was a regular on the breakfasters in those days, in fact, even in the middle of that 2007 campaign, I took a Pixies song, Monkey Gone to Heaven, This Monkey's Gone to Heaven, and turned it to This Country's Gone to Kevin. And, um, <laughs> that was genius. <laughs> but it even predicted the swing. got the swing right. I was quite uh, disappointed that no one picked the story up at the time. <laughs> but... Um, he had, going into the GFC, a couple of really big thoughts going into the GFC. Education revolution, climate change. GFC distracts him after that episode is over and he's still got sort of Jesus Christ approval ratings and his government's pretty unified and the opposition are a rabble. He's got Malcolm Turnbull willing to cut a deal with him on climate change. We know what happened next. Uh, the Libs roll Turnbull and then Labor rolls Rudd. Since then, you would hope that... Labor observing the Rudd and then the Gillard implosion would sort of get back onto the policy, um, in, into the policy field, which they sort of did with negative gearing last year at the election, but not much critical thinking has come from Labor, notwithstanding the fact that they were in government for two terms. On the Liberal side, OK, so Abbott wins through, through sheer brute negativity and then doesn't know what to do with power when he's got it for a couple of years. They roll him. Turnbull, who's been around the longest of all of them, is watching all this, he's got front row seat to it, and he comes back with what? Great first press conference and literally no idea since then. So, yeah, so why? What's his problem? Uh, I think it's much more than him, though. I think, I think the system at the moment just can't cope with all the transition shocks. So if you start to list them, I mean, I'm not being random about this. this is, there's a lot of big things are happening at the same time to rich nations. And these are first world problems which are good problems to have in a way because the rest of the world is catching up to where the West has been for a long time. So, you know, globally poverty's come down quite dramatically and it's not just the story of China joining the middle class. The rest of the world is in a lot better shape than it was 20 years ago when we were in good shape. But we're struggling with ageing of the population, we're struggling with environment... We're struggling with population growth, so we've got an infrastructure issue. We're struggling with a political system that sort of after the end of the Cold War and after the sort of deregulation consensus can't figure out what to do next. Uh, we're struggling with our place in the world. We shouldn't be. I mean, I'm 
a monumental optimist in the long run, but quite pessimistic in the short term about the way our system's handling all these transition socks. And it's not as if we haven't had any prior warning. People have been talking about some of this stuff for years. So we've been talking about environment for years. We've been talking about the ageing of the population for years. We've been talking about sort of infrastructure for years. We've been talking about education for years. And we're still no closer to... Well, let's dumb it down to the political contest. We're no closer to the two sides agreeing what problem is we want to solve. Mm. Mm. You essentially make the argument in the book that the mining boom was more or less wasted and that was John Howard's responsibility. Really. Yeah, I think, I, look, I think both sides accept this now and you see a lot of the rhetoric now um, from the coalition government around the budget uh, that revenue's weak. Now, they now finally concede they don't call it a revenue problem, they call it an earnings problem, income problem. But essentially what happened through, especially those three, there's three very critical years, 2004 to 2007, which is sort of the big run-up to what ended up being a global bust with the, uh, with the GFC. In those three years, in fact, the model, the economic model worked quite well. John Howard's chucking every windfall dollar that they get from mining straight back to the voter giving tax cuts, tax cuts that in the end went over the odds. I remember when we were in the budget lockups for the Australian, 2004, 2005, 2006, 2007, first thing that would happen when you'd open the budget papers is all the journals would go to the back of the tables to have a look at what tax cut they were up for. Wow. <laughs> and they were doing a... There was silence. <laughs> there was silence for about the first 20 minutes. It wasn't, oh, you know, is, is, you know, surplus. Did I get that story right? Did I get that story wrong? It was... God, another 100 bucks a week. Yeah, wow. Um, I was very unpopular in those days because I'd say <laughs> next, next project I'd try to get up is, you know, they're giving us too many tax cuts, something's going something's gonna to give. Oh, no, 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 we want more tax cuts. <laughs> that used to be yeah. the message back. But in this period, um, the thing that did work, and this is the thing people underestimate, the Reserve Bank saw what John Howard was doing and kept cranking up interest rates. We didn't have a property bubble then. Property bubbles come since. Um, but we do have now structural hole in the budget, big hole in the budget, just basically uh, an economy with an unemployment rate of 6% can't produce a budget surplus after 26 years of uninterrupted growth. Mm. So something is wrong on the revenue side. The other thing is on the spending side, uh, most spending that the government does is running faster than inflation. So in the federal space, you know, it's sort of pensions... Health, essentially, they're the two big drivers and they are always going to grow a bit more than inflation. If you wanted to cut it to the point of growing less than inflation, so taxes will catch up, what will happen? You basically squeeze the people who can least afford to be squeezed. And a lot of them, mind you, today are Liberal voters, not Labor voters. So that, just going back to how it, how it squandered the mining boom, but having squandered the mining boom, but we still survived the GFC, you'd think that the second act would be, all right, we're not going to repeat the mistake. Rudd, Gillard, Abbott, I wouldn't say Turnbull yet because Turnbull hasn't been Prime Minister long enough. Rudd, Gillard, Abbott did a version of what Howard did, but from a position of deficit. So they spending. They always found an excuse to spend something more, money that we didn't have, you know, Going into the GFC, Rudd decides to increase the age pension simply because the first budget of his new government, a couple of pensioners took their tops off in the city and uh, there was a backlash about the pension because it wasn't <laughs> in the first budget, so he decided to put a bump in the pension in the second budget. Abbott, remember, was doing paid parental leave, the most outrageous... I mean, it didn't get implemented in the end, the most outrageous middle-class welfare probably ever come, anyone had ever come up with, and he did it straight after Howard. So... Uh, 
uh, let me go back to the first point here. Both sides are observing chaos, observing really dumb policy, and they're not learning from it. That's quite... But, I mean, didn't Abbott try to get through a, a, a range of kind of changes in his last budget, the budget that ultimately kind of that, that, killed him, you okay. know, but no one could agree to put any of those measures through? Yeah, they say that, but I remember, I've, I've reminded myself of this because not, not long ago I had another look at that budget. That budget didn't actually reduce the deficit. It was right. very unpopular because they were carrying so many election promises. Those cuts were essentially there to pay for the election mm. promises. Uh. But, of course, not only was the budget a bit of breach of faith, it actually breached faith without having improved the situation. So they got the worst of both worlds. They got the pushback from their own voters uh, and then they, uh, the deficit is actually in the worst position than it was when they started. The book is entitled Balancing Act. It's out through Black Ink. We've been talking to its author, long-time Triple R friend, George Megalogenes. Thanks so much for coming. Thank you. You're listening to a podcast from Community Radio 3 Triple R in Melbourne, Australia. You are listening to Breakfasters here on Triple R with Sarah, Jeff and Geraldine. Yesterday um, we were... I revealed that Kath um, was once in the circus. Yes. The women's circus. Yeah, I couldn't believe it. Was she a clown? Oh, no, she did, she did um, some acrobalance and yeah, the old acrobalance. And, yeah. Mad. Which is, she was still kind of, um, had only recently stopped doing it like when we first met. So, um, you know, in her first couple of dates, she taught me some pretty sweet tricks um, <laughs> on the. <laughs> Is it personal? <laughs> it was fun. <laughs> I'm not going to elaborate any more on that. <laughs> Take that where you want. But there was nothing sus going on. Uh, but yesterday we d- <laughs> we did um, reveal that we had um, we've got a text line now. So 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 you know um, the number is oh four double six nine eight one zero two seven. But I just bring that up um, because someone sent a text to the PBS text line. Ah uh, yes, yes, that's the wrong one. But it was intended for us. <laughs> it was yes. intended for I mean, us. We got it via the lovely people at PBS. We shared it. Yeah, Who yeah. Were somewhat perplexed funny. by it. <laughs> <laughs> Who's Kath? Why she in the circus? But I, but the point was that I was showing Kath. Uh, and I said, oh, this woman. She goes, oh, I don't remember that is. And then, but we were... The text hang- said that there was a woman who used to be in the circus with Kath. Yeah. Yeah. And Kath, had, you know, was just like, I don't remember her. But just exploded with, oh, my God, let me tell you everything about the circus. So I was out last night. She'd brought some friends to um, my show. Now, these are friends of Kath's. Was Kath at the show last night? Yeah. With Kath- Jeff? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Kath- nice. yeah. Hmm. We offered Jeff to come and join us for a drink and um, I didn't get a response. I had my phone turned off because yeah. I was at the You thing. never have your phone turned off. Well, no, I was at no, the no, comedy get... show, so. Yeah, well, I cannot stop. believe there's ever a time where your phone is turned <laughs> off in your life. <laughs> anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, but we were... Now, these are friends of Kat's that I have not met before. It was the first time meeting them. Oh. Uh, but these are friends that she talks about a lot. Oh. Like I talk... She's like... Talks about them... 
this is a couple um, and I'm like, is this your other girlfriend? Should I be? How have you not met them until now? What circumstances have occurred? Horse people, mate. Ah. Oh. <laughs> Different worlds. Yes, horse people. Horse people. <laughs> so they do, they met um, when there's this thing called Equitana, which is like this horse expo That's thing. very exotic. It does, doesn't it? Equitana. Equitana. Going to Equitana. <laughs> you should write the jingles Thanks. for it. <laughs> I finally, you know, met them and I mentioned, you know, this circus story. And they're like, you didn't tell me you were in the circus. You know, I didn't tell you. And then for the next five minutes, Kath went through all her photos of her been in the circus. Like just really? oh here's another one of me and it got Did to the she point. ever have face paint on? Uh no, there was one where she wore a, a plain white mask. Oh. Yeah, one of those you know those classic just you know, the classic mask. But still had her glasses on <laughs> over the top of it. I'm like, oh that's a that's a nice touch. <laughs> <It's a bit laughs> creepy. Yeah. <laughs> like that. But it got to the point where it was like all right, mate, we've seen enough photos. We get it. <laughs> you I can't believe circus. that this didn't... Because we interviewed someone from yeah, the women's circus. Yeah, and here's the thing. I did mention it to you, but you have all... Did you? Yeah, yeah. Oh. Yeah. Oh, all right. Well, and I... What else maybe, don't we remember it about each other? <laughs> lots of oh. things. But that's okay because it means we can repeat things and it doesn't matter. <laughs> Lucky listeners. <laughs> <laughs> You are listening to a podcast from Community Radio 3RRR-FM in Melbourne, Australia. So um, on the weekend, I went to the footy, which I've told you about did already. You? Yeah, I did. Went in saw Richmond, <laughs> win third game in a row. Uh, and I was with my brother and two mates. And we, uh, after the game, it ended at like 5pm maybe. We thought, oh, we'll just go and have a quick beer somewhere on Scotland Street. Great time Street. for a beer. Great yeah. time for a beer. We'd already had a few... You know, during the game, so it was mid an anxiety. Strength. Yeah, mid strength, yep. anxiety winning out, but it was pouring. I don't know if you remember the intense weather that was. So we had to kind of run up uh, Swan Street to. Well, the first place we ran into was one of those kind of like Gennaro bars, um, which we wouldn't usually go into. But, but you know, we thought, oh, we'll just get into Any the first place the possible. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So we ran in, but then we ran in, and there was a guy doing like kind of. L- Jack Johnson light covers. So then we no. all ran out of there again. We literally ran in and went, no, okay, keep going. So then we ran out and we're like, no, 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 let's run up to the GB. So we ran up to the GB and uh, had a few beers and then we decided to go and get something to eat. And by this point we were like a little bit tipsy, I'd say, tipsy mm. enough that you want to go and eat some chips somewhere. Uh, and so we went into a place a couple of doors down from the GB and ordered some chips. And we sat there eating and we had a few more beers. And then uh, one of my mates, Carl, turns around and goes, oh, I didn't want see my tiger scarf. And I was like, oh, no, shit, you know, where is it? We're all looking at our things. And I'm like, no. And he goes, I put it down here, like right next to me, right here. I put it here. Like, I think you're a bit drunk. He's like, no, remember I had it over my head. We were running in the rain. I had it over my head. And there was only one other group of people in the whole place that were in this, like, oh. family sitting in the corner. Did Richmond supporters. Accuse the family. Well, no, this is so we we start, we can see their Richmond supporters. They all have scarves on, and yeah. you know, we're like, oh, it's not them. And then 
my brother's going, maybe the staff accidentally picked it up, so we're going to ask the staff. It's a mystery. It, it is a full-blown mystery, okay? And you know when you're a bit tipsy, these things really become quite extreme. So in our heads, we're freaking out a little bit. We're who like, has taken the scarf? Who has stolen this crappy old tiger's scarf? And I just think there's at no point could someone have snuck up next to us and grabbed it. So then um, my brother's girlfriend's like, oh, you know what, um, I really want to solve this. So she goes up to the staff and goes, can we please look at the, the footage that you've oh been filming? <laughs> That's uh, too much. Escalating things a bit. We're that level of tipsy, right? <laughs> <laughs> crime scene investigation. And you should have seen the staff's face. They're like, no. Yeah. And she's like, this is a really important lucky scarf. Like, oh, you know, nobody's no. leaving. <laughs> Get out the blue tape. They were just so drained. They're like, oh, what are you doing? And then I get up and I'm like, oh, no, this is going to escalate into something pretty bad if we don't sort this out soon. And so while she's kind of talking to the staff, trying to convince them why we need to look at their tapes to find the scarf, I was walking around looking under things and, you know, I was like, where could this have gone? You were the sensible. Oh, yeah, you could sensible and all the drunkest. I don't know. Um, And then I... And then I was like, stuff this. I'm going to go up to this tiger family, really well-to-do-looking family, might I add. And I go, excuse me, I don't want to interrupt your meal, but we've got a bit of a situation. Uh, my friend put down his tiger scarf next to him and it's just disappeared. And I'm not accusing you guys of anything. <laughs> I'm but- not accusing. <laughs> yes, you That's exactly what I'm doing. Yeah. And they look at us for a while and then they go. the mother goes, oh, oh, no. I'm so, I'm so sorry, I, I do have that scarf. And she takes the scarf off her neck and gives it <gasps> to me. And, I, and I'm just blown away because, I mean, they, they're not. This is do, you, a, do you reckon she, that wasn't an accident that she took well, the scarf? Well, and then she goes, oh, I'm so sorry. I left my jacket over there and then, uh, and, then I, and then I snuck up and I grabbed the scarf because I thought that was mine. But then I looked at her bag and, and, and her daughter's like, oh, mum, your scarf's. Your scarf's here in, here in the bag. And so I think it wasn't a genuine accident. Oh, okay. I think it was a genuine accident, but it was just in this, this moment where she took it off from around her neck and everyone, all of my friends were like, what? It was but, like the end of wow. one of those detective it was. <laughs> movies where And we're like, Hercule cancel the footage. We don't need the footage anymore. It's all solved. I think the people were really glad to see the back of us. But this whole thing took about an hour. Wow. Oh, my God. Yeah. But you know when you... Ah. You're doing that when you're drunk and like this is a really small things becomes this really huge. Yeah, like getting home. Yeah. <laughs> I am. Um, Quite an epic. I lost an entire bicycle once. Did I what? Tell you no. No, I was out in Fitzroy this years ago and um, I didn't even think I'd been drinking. It was just when I'm riding my bike, I tend not to concentrate. Yes. Which, now that I put it like that, it's not maybe the best. Is it because you're looking at your phone? (laughs) No, it's because I'm thinking, you know, just, yeah, I'll see what I remember. So I'd gone to a party and I'd tied my bike up somewhere outside. I remember we'd gone to a bar or something. I'd tied it Mm. up outside. And when I came out, I couldn't find it. And so I thought, I walked around, I couldn't find it. And I decided that it had been stolen. And it was just a generic bike. So I didn't think it was worth reporting to the cops or anything because they're never going to, you know, yeah. they're never going to get back to me. And so I walked around for a while, couldn't find it. And then I thought, my bike's been stolen. Because, you know, if you live in Fitzroy, it happens quite a lot. Yeah. 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 yeah six months later, I found it. Was <laughs> it chained up? It was just chained up to a different tree. <laughs> 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 a different tree. After six months. <laughs> six months. Did you take it home? Yeah, I had two bikes then. You're listening to the best bits of The Breakfasters from 3RRR.